But let's continue. Key point number two is this. The foundation of corporate worship is a unified focus on the mission of the Lord. The foundation of corporate worship is a unified focus on the mission of the Lord. Let's pick up at verse 8 and read through 11. Now in the second month of the second year of their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, Yeshua, the son of Jehozadak, and the rest of their brethren, the priests and the Levites, and all those who had come out of the captivity of Jerusalem, began work and appointed the Levites from 20 years old and above to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. Then Yeshua, with his sons and brothers, Cadmiel, with his sons, and the sons of Judah, arose as one to oversee those working on the house of God. The sons of Hinnadad, with, the son, with their sons and their brethren, the Levites. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets. And the Levites, the sons of Asaph with cymbals, to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout. And when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. I want you to notice the people gathered together. The workers stood together. They sang together. Their tasks were all different, but they all had one goal before them, and that is to glorify the Lord through the rebuilding of his temple. All of them had different tasks. All of them had different things that they were doing, but they were unified in that task as they gathered together, as they sang together, as they accomplished their task to bring glory to the Lord through the rebuilding of his temple. So I'm left with this question. What should unite us as a church? What should, when we gather together, if this were describing Grace Point Church, what should unite us? We're not under a building campaign. That's the typical time that you see preachers pull out Ezra and Nehemiah, right? You know, that's, that's when we typically see that. But what else, what should unite us? I think there's two things that should unite us. First, the Great Commission. The Great Commission. The Great Commission is just simply this. It's the task that Jesus has given us to make sure that the gospel is known throughout the world. That's it. The Great Commission is Jesus' command, Jesus commanding us and giving us the task to make sure that the gospel is known throughout the world. That should unite us as a church. When we gather together, that, that there should be something in our minds that is going, you know, one of the reasons that we gather together is to proclaim the gospel, that God created us in his image, but we sinned. 
But even though we sin, God sent his son to redeem us and is working within us to restore us and one day will restore and make all things new. But let me share you some, with, with you some devastating news. Research conducted by Barna Group in 2017, not too long ago, revealed that over half of active United States churchgoers have never even heard the words, the Great Commission. Over half active churchgoers in the United States have never even heard of the Great Commission. Let me, give it, let me break it down for you. Here's what it is. Churchgoers, have you heard of the Great Commission? 51% no. 6%, I'm not sure. 25%, yes, but I don't know exactly what it means. And 17%, 17% of active churchgoers said yes. And here's what it means. Here's what the Great Commission means. I think it's so important for our church to know the Great Commission, to know those words, to know that it was Jesus' command, to know that this is what we are to unite around, that our passion and desire to make known the name of Jesus both locally and globally should unite us together. In fact, the Great Commission is simply the biblical command of Christ to carry and proclaim the gospel to all nations. And I want you to hear how, how Matthew describes it, how Mark and Luke, John, and then Luke again in the book of Acts. Listen to these. In Matthew, he tells us the goal of the Great Commission, and that's to make disciples. In Mark, he tells us the method of the Great Commission, and that's to preach the gospel. In Luke, he tells us the message of the Great Commission, and that's the resurrected Christ. In John, he tells us the authority we have to go in this Great Commission, and that is that Jesus was given this authority from the Father, and then Jesus has commissioned us and given that authority to us. And then finally, the book of Acts gives us the strategy of the Great Commission. And that is to expand the kingdom of God, beginning locally, and then do it until we reach the ends of the earth. The Great Commission should unite us as a church. The second thing that should unite us as a church is the Great Commandment. The Great Commandment was asked of Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And he responded, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, the name of our church, Grace Point, is focused on these two emphases. A Grace Point, I believe, is where the Great Commission and the Great Commandment come together. And that should unite us. That should unite us. Every time we gather together, we should be about the great commandment and the great commission. So let's wrap things up then with key point number three. Key point number three is this. The expression of our worship 
will be a mixture of weeping and joy. The expression of our worship will be a mixture of weeping and joy. Let's pick up verse 12 and 13. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the father's houses, old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted aloud for joy. So that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard afar off. So why were they weeping with a loud voice? Well, it appears, at least in part, that the older generation, those old enough to have lived through the 70 years of Babylonian captivity, and those old enough to have remembered the magnificent size of Solomon's temple, Perhaps their weeping is a realization that this temple is not just going to be smaller, but the consequences of rebelling against God are far-reaching. And maybe it caused them to weep. Maybe it caused them to weep because they recognized what they had done. Not just that the temple was smaller, but that they had rebelled against God. I mean, the number of the people that returned to Israel from Babylon was about 50,000. Now that compares to over 600,000 that came out of Egypt. They had broken their covenant with God. We cannot fail to learn from the weeping at the foundation of the temple. And that is this, that sin will endanger you. Sin will have lasting effects. And we too should do what? Worship with both weeping and joy. Our worship should prompt us to to weep because we see the impact of the sin in our life. We recognize that it impacts our marriage, it impacts our workplace, it impacts so many places. And that should cause us to weep in our worship. But we should also worship with joy, resting in the assurance, that confident hope that comes through the redemption found in Christ. So the temple that we read about in Ezra, as throughout the scriptures, whether it was the tabernacle or even Solomon's temple, the temple was designed to be a place where God dwells. It was to be a place where people could encounter God and where God would dwell in the very midst of his people. The temple's foundation reminds us of making sure that our own lives have a proper foundation. A foundation of repentance, confession, prayer, the Word of God, obedience, and faith. One last thought, and then we'll, we'll pray together. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you 
are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Let's pray.